Welcome to Your Life Now Radio Show, where your life matters. Your host, Coach Rhea, is a certified professional life coach with a passion to help make the difference in the world. Your Life Now Radio Show brings you powerful resources and effective tips to help you live your best life ever. And now, here's your host, Coach Rhea. Hello, 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 my friends, and welcome to your Life Now radio show. I am your host, Coach Ria. It's always a pleasure, and I am always delighted to be here with you live on the air. Uh, my friends, you know, thank you for supporting my show. Thank you for listening to the show live, archived, and downloading on iTunes. You make my show popular, so I really do appreciate you, every and each one of you. You inspire me to do what I do and, 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 you know, I am passionate about my uh, my work and doing the show with you. So, again, for those of you who um, tune in for the first time, I am the founder and the CEO of Your Life Now. Um, it is professional life coaching service. And on this show, we try to cover a lot of different topics related to our everyday life on a personal level as well as professional level. Here are some of these areas that impact our life and um, as follow but not limited to our personal and professional growth, personal relationships, money, finances, career, self-esteem, and, of course, the overall quality of life. We talk about health as well, and uh, we talk about spirituality. There's a lot of different topics, and I bring on expert guests who come on and join me, and sometimes I host the show solo. And I just like to put it out there, the show is really intended to be thought-provoking. I do encourage you to get involved. I do encourage you to call in if you like with your comment or your question. You can reach me on my show page at 626-213-5773. I also have the chat room open. If you'd like to put your comments or questions there, feel free to do so. And one more thing is Skype callers are welcome. And my friends, as you know, I always set my intention in the beginning of the show. My intention of doing the show is really to help inspire you to make some positive changes in your life so you can live the life that you deserve to live. It's really all about, it's all up to you. So make the right decision for you and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and be amazing because you are amazing and you deserve all the best. So let's move on to our show today. I'm excited to talk to uh, my guest today, Robert Ware, and uh, tell you what, who's Robert. Robert is an author. He's a speaker, editor, communication consultant. He's also an author coach, and we'll talk about that. Robert works in radio, television. He came back to creative writing in 1993 following his tumor removal, which brought him to write his book, Brain Tumor, Life, Love, Lessons. Robert authored other books like Copple Creek, which is uh, a series of short stories and poetry, as well as Peace, Justice, Care of Earth. And uh, um, Robert is working on an upcoming book. It's called Open Faith. And just wanted to mention, Robert began editing books for authors in 2007, and he works with well-known authors like Bruce Lipton and many more emerging authors and new authors. We'll talk about that. And, uh, um, you know, one of the things that Robert has been writing in, in, in one way or another for a long, long time, pretty much all his life, he'll tell you about that. And he writes articles. He has over 120 published articles. articles. And, uh, of course, as I mentioned, Robert is a coach for well-established and emergent authors. And he can help you, too. So, and one last thing, Robert's motto or, or goal is to live simply and create. He has a laptop and will travel. And I am really excited to have you on the show, Robert. Thank you for being here. Well, you're welcome, Maria. It's a pleasure to be talking with you this morning. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Oh, my pleasure. I hope I did you justice because, you know, we always, you know, I always say it's like, can you tell me more about you? <laughs> because we always, you know... <laughs> We try to make it short, you know, and, and uh, pardon me, my voice is, I'm losing my voice. Um, so, Robert, my friend, 
You are on a road trip right now, and I know we've been talking for, uh, briefly before the show about you still on a, on a, a long road trip, and uh, you love to write sh- short stories, and uh, I'm excited to know, when are you going home? <laughs> but I'd like, no, like to know, when are you going home? Where is that trip going to <laughs> Uh, Rhea, I am home. My home is on the road, and I, I feel like my heart is on the road. So home is where the heart is, and uh, and I just love to travel. I've started traveling for really quite extensively in 2010, and um, I, I am enjoying this life on the road. Technically, I am homeless by choice because I'm spending so much time on the road that I've chosen not to have an apartment in, in, or pay a mortgage in one particular location. So when I'm not traveling, I uh, house set for some relatives, and um, otherwise I go out and meet people and write stories about my adventures. How great is that? What a life. That's, that sounds like a great life to live, right? So uh, let's talk. Yeah, let's start. I mean, I know you said that you, uh, um, your background, you've been writing for pretty much all your life, but you, um, you had, you know, encountered some challenges in your life on your health, uh, um, which caused you to, um, to actually inspire you to write your book, uh, Brain Tumor, Love, um, Love Life. I'm sorry, where is my, uh, <laughs> my notes? I, I apologize. Okay, um, Life, Love, and Lessons. And, and, uh, yes. Take us through that that process. I mean, there's people out there who are listening. They could be, you know, either they know a, a family member or they themselves, you know, um, uh, dealing with some, you know, some health issues and stuff like that. What are some of the life lessons that you have learned from, you know, your experience and that you can share that can inspire people to really, you know? Maria, I want to go back to your intention for the show because your question ties into that so perfectly. Where your intention is to help inspire people, to help them make positive changes in the life in their lives, to live the life that they want to live. And interestingly enough, that tumor which grew in my head to be about the size of a racquetball or larger than a golf ball was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. It was truly a life-altering experience because I had gotten away from some of the aspects of life that I really love, and that's my uh, my creativity. Mm-hmm. I was working as a writer in the corporate field, and I wrote some very good policy manuals and training materials and things like that prior to when the tumor was uh, was diagnosed. And But the tumor itself and the way it... Um, it really incapacitated me for a period of several months, brought me back to my true self, which is to be a creative writer and to work with other people in their creative capacities. And um, the tumor was um, diagnosed because I had blackout spells. Wow. Where I where I functioned, and Mm -hmm. I knew, you know, I mean, I I functioned, but I did not know what I was doing. So some of the stories that I may tell you here are reports that other people told me about the way I was or the way I acted during those times. But, uh, I mean, I really owe my life to two people who I was with uh, at the time of the last two blackout spells before I went to see a doctor. And in one of them, I was sitting in a hot tub with a friend, and in a, and I became so relaxed that I was I would slide down underneath the water. If she had not been there, she would I would have drowned. And then the last blackout seizure, the one that really caused me to pick up a phone and call my doctor, I was driving a car, and if not for a friend, we would have could have been in a a pretty severe accident. So, um, you know, I, they just. It was a time in my life when I came back to creative writing because of this thing that was growing in my head. So what are, you know, I mean, not many people you can, you know, you would hear them saying, and and I appreciate what you just said that you know that was the best thing that ever happened to you because obviously something had to awaken inside of you, and so what was that? What 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 did uh, what came out? What the lessons that you learned? Well, the lessons. Uh, one of the lessons I learned was. Um, just how important life is. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I realized my mortality. 
and I'm in excellent health health after the surgery. Uh, it was in 1993, and I and I got a clean bill of health from my doctor several months after the surgery. All of the the tumor was removed. Um, right. But I learned just how important life was to me. I learned to go with the flow more. Uh, one of the major lessons I learned was don't force anybody or anything, especially mm-hmm. yourself. Right. Just to realize that whatever comes to us is really an opportunity, even if it doesn't seem that way, even if it seems like it's a dire situation Mm -hmm. or the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. Well, don't force that negative aspect or that negative outlook onto the situation, but to realize that there's good that's coming out of this. It's part of a divine plan. I think another lesson I learned was just to feel more closely connected with God, to realize that there is a divine uh, universe, a divine plan, whether we call this God or, or um, mm-hmm. divine intervention, just uh, it, the, some great plan is, is coming our way, even if we don't recognize it. Absolutely. I really appreciate my friends. Uh, I realize that people are more important than things. And we don't need material possessions. That's why I like to live a minimalistic style. I would rather be out interacting with people and gathering their stories and sharing those stories around the world as much as I possibly can uh, because people are more important than things. Yeah, that's that's a great lesson to be learned. I mean, truly, and, and, you know, I mean, and I have to put it out there to the listeners and to everybody who is listening you know, um, it, it 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 doesn't have to take a life-threatening you know situation for us to really realize how important life is and how important it is to be in service of other and of humanity. Um, I you know I mean it, it's uh, the thing is like you know just before you know we actually had the show. This is a live show. I I, I saw some posts like you know from um, from somebody that I know who. Uh, drew a picture of how he feels and the picture like it, it literally made put a tears in my eyes because of all the pain and suffering some of this society um uh, you know overseas are, are are going through the pain and the suffering some of these people are going through you know realizing you know we all connected and and there is there is a need for us for all humanity to rise up and 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 be you know um uh be connected and be uh involved and and uh share and and teach other people you know a better way of life or do things and and that's why I would say I'm in service I don't I you know people say what do you do you know I'm a I, I'm a solution finder and I'm also in service that's what I, I do you know I mean anytime I feel I'm I'm doing my part to just be in service um but you yes. know but yes. you know, yeah, like I said, it's, it really. I mean, you know, like in your case, you know, that was, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know you, you know, then, but you know, I mean, some people they they uh, fall victim of their current circumstances, their current condition, like they have in the death sentence, and then they they don't realize, you know, what the what the lessons, what the what what's the. Uh, um, the lesson to be learned from it, and where can they, you know, really um, take that and maybe teach other people, maybe a preventive, you know, approach or doing some other things that maybe you had learned as well from your treatment, from you know, putting the book together and and uh, talking about your your um, your journey during that time. Um, and, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, if I may interrupt you for a moment, uh, you just really touched on something that I wanted to jump in with, so please, uh, please let me please, do that for a moment. Please. Mm-hmm. One of the, the big lessons I learned there was how important it is it was for me to be, become a creative writer again, as I had been when I was younger. And, and I think this applies to anybody, not necessarily whether they want to write or not, but it, it's a major life-altering event like that will bring people back to their true passion, their Mm -hmm. true talent, their true gift that they have to give in service to other people. And and for me, it was to to be a writer. And and so I journaled. 
I mean, the book that I mm-hmm. created, Brain Tumor, was based upon my journal. I was mm-hmm. taking prescription steroids to reduce the swelling of the, in my head, especially post-surgery, and those steroids kept me awake 20 to 21 hours a day. So instead of sleeping, I would turn to my computer and write, and I also was not allowed to drive. I had to give up my driver's license per state law and uh, so and I lived out in the country so the journal uh, the journal my computer became my therapist that's that's where I turned and and I think as this applies to other people now if if people feel like they have a story that they have to tell then write it do do whatever you can, even if you're not a writer. Put it down. Get it out of your system somehow. Capture that creative spark and just make it happen. You can do the editing part later. Other people can help you edit a book later. Right, right. But all, all of that tumor brought me back to creative writing because I needed to tell my story, and now I've developed to the point, and I think God has brought me to the point where I'm helping other people tell their stories. And this this all part of how I came back to writing because of that tumor. Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, and in, 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 uh, um, I always emphasize in my work with my clients, I practice it myself. I never uh, teach anything that I don't practice myself is journaling. I have journals like crazy in my house. I literally mm-hmm. have probably about five books, you know, easily, you know, to put together and uh, from my journals. And I encourage every single person that I I, uh, I work with and every single person, even on this show, I have mentioned it many times, journal, journal, journal. This is your way of documenting how you feel. This is the way of acknowledging what's going on. This is a way of finding solution. This is a way of, of, of many, many, many good things comes out of journaling. And uh, unless you put it in writing, it has no power and words. And you, you're the words guy, you know, so I, I can't be telling you because you're the expert in this. You know, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, I think words have a lot of power, and especially when you they have tremendous paper. power. Yes, words have tremendous power, and and that's why it's important that we be positive in our word choice. That we say, "Hey, I'm happy. I'm doing fine. Everything is great." Even if there might be some things going on around us, you know, again, like with the brain tumor or anybody else's medical malady or spiritual malady or, or emotional malady in some way, it's uh, it's all part of being being alive. Yes, yes, it's so true. And and you know, I mean, there was so many times because I mean, you know, I've always struggled with the the grammar part because English is not my first language. So like when I write, I'm a very creative writer in the sense of also, I mean, I'm a creative writer to begin with, but it's not structurally well, you know, that's why you need people like yourself who help, you know, put all in, into, you know, in the right format or whatever. But anyhow, I had like written things over the years, um, Robert, and uh, I read them later on, like some like letters that I wrote, like, you know, to the universe. I mean, I like, I used to just write and write and write. And I found one time a letter that I have written, and I this is really not an exaggeration. And I in that letter, I put a lot of things that I really kind of, not wishy-washy, but it was like, you know, I'd like to see manifest in my life. And I've, I'm all about action. Yes, you got to know what you want, but you got to go for it, too. So, um, and, and, and in that sense, I found that letter that, or that, you know, the the part of that journal that I tore off the pieces and I put it, you know, put it away. I found it later on about a year ago and I was reading it and I had goosebumps because everything that I have written in there, it manifested in my life in some form or another because yes. I decided yes. exactly what I want. And that's why I keep emphasizing how powerful it is to put your words, your thoughts, your ideas on paper because unless it's, you know, it doesn't come to life. Because when you look at it, when you read it, when you go through it, you know, it's like, oh, my God. And if it's it's something that you had missed, obviously it brings back the awareness that what is it that I need to do to go forward with this or how can I implement it. But words have a lot of, lot of powers. And I have to tell you, I mean, I, I know it from personal experience, so there is no, uh, um, no doubt about that. Um, 
Robert, you know, you have Let me jump in there. uh, One of the words we really have to be careful of is the word not. Right. Or, or do right. let's say or do right. do not because right. okay I mean there's the old maxim we've mm-hmm. heard the story do do not think of a large pink elephant with green polka dots and and, and purple bunny rabbit ears <laughs> well of course that's what everybody is thinking about right but apply applying it to life if you like if you're working with a child you you don't want to say uh, do not spill your milk don't spill your milk. You want to say, hold the glass steady or hold the glass upright. Because when you say, don't spill the milk, it creates the the impression of the child or in the mind of the child the impression of spilling the milk. Absolutely. Right. And so with ourselves, we, we want to be careful of that we don't say, like, oh, I'm not going to get in an accident today, or I'm not going to worry, or don't worry, because that creates the image of an accident, or worrisome, worrisomeness. And so we want to say things like, uh, be calm. Everything is all right. Be positive. You know, everything is going to turn out just fine. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful line from the recent movie. I forget the movie right now, but it says, like, um, if uh, everything turns out right in the end, well, and if things are not right right now, then we have not yet come to the end. Right. So we exactly. have to be positive to know that in the end, everything is going to be just fine. And we have to be careful of what we say to ourselves so that we maintain that positive attitude, that positive energy, because that's what we need in the world. I mean, you talk about love in your intentions. Right. You know, loving ourselves means that we stay positive, that we stay in our connection with the positive energy that is us and all around us. And to add to that, Robert, with all de- with all being you know with all due respect, is the fact you need to know what is it that you want, and that's what you put on paper. Because you know yes. I agree with you because that's my my techniques as well when I teach as well. You need to focus on what is it that you want, not what you don't want to see happening. Because obviously whatever it comes, even my kid, you know, my son is is sixteen now, but I still like you know through you know when he was younger, I'm, uh, that's how I taught him. It's like you know, honey. What is it that you want? And I never say, like, don't do that. I ex- tell them exactly what he should be doing versus like, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, because the, the only thing, and this is a human, you know, because the only thing we hear is what comes after. We don't hear the not, you know. So the not is like becomes a, I don't even know why it even exists in the dictionary. I'll be honest with you. You tell me. <laughs> It is like, you know, why don't we just go directly straight to what we wanted we, we wanted versus what we just like, oh, we don't want rain, we want so what is it you want? You want it sun. You want it to be sunny. And and, and that's our you know, it's just like we fall into that uh that routine of, of you know, playing with words. I think I, I it's I'm becoming and, and this is the interesting part about, you know, um, someone like me who, you know, English was not their first language. And, and, and you know, I've learned, I've had a master's degree, I have my undergrad and my master, And I graduated from college and, 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 you know, I had a lot of help with my papers, but I knew what I wanted, you know, and I went for it. And the thing is, like, now I play with words. I play with words. Yeah. I, I might not put yeah. them in the perfect order, but I know exactly what I wanted to put on that paper. And I say it exactly how I want it, and that's what I try to teach. And I think someone like you can teach a lot of our listeners about how to use words to create what is it exactly that they want and tell their story. Tell the stories in, in, in a more positive, affirmative way to, to, you know, to share it with the world so people can learn something positive from it as well, and then they can, you know, benefit from them, from, from those stories for themselves as well as a positive experience. Because when you wrote your book, you know, I didn't go through your whole book, but I know you did not, you were not, uh, see, I'm saying not now. I think you, your, <laughs> message, your message was positive in the majority of the book because you were talking about your experience with your tumor, you know, and with the lessons you learned. You did not talk about it like, you know, oh, you know, I really did not want it to, to be like this, and I did not want it somebody to, to make me feel, you know, have empathy, uh, sympathy toward me or whatever. You you were more uplifting. You were sharing your Thank story, you. right? So, I mean, I'm, yes. I'm, yeah, and that's the message. And I know, you know, I mean, if you if you had read the uh, title of the show, uh, do you have a story to tell? 
And my description was, do you have a story to tell? Have you written a book or anything in that matter that you want to share it with the world and you need help? And and it's the time to get those stories out. So let's talk about your stories. I want to talk about your travel to India. And okay. Uh, no, you know, like you had worked with some of the, the, the great author, one of my favorite, Bruce Lipton, um, in editing his uh, one of his books. And you traveled to India to also help an emerging um, author by the name of Rosalie um, Jeffen Lee. Is that her name? Did I say her yes, name right? Yes, Rosalie Jeffen Yellow. Jeffen mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for correcting me. And uh, tell us a little bit about some of these authors that you work with and your trip to India and what some of the things that we can, you know, take from. That is an extremely broad question. So I'll start start with the beginning, uh, and that would be Bruce Lipton, because he is very well known, and so is his co-author for the book that I edited. The two authors uh, were Bruce Lipton and Steve Behrman. Steve performs internationally as a comedian under the stage name of Swami Beyondananda. And uh, he's he's very well known also, especially by the name Steve or Swami Beyondananda. The book that I edited for them is called Spontaneous Evolution, which deals with the history of human evolution from a time when people lived in an animistic period. That is, they were close to the earth, and they also they were close to Mother Earth, let's say, and they also. Uh, 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 believed in the spiritual aspect of of Grandmother Moon and Father Sky, and there was a balance between spirit and nature. And then throughout history, we became very spiritualistic. We believed in many gods in the Greek and the Roman period, and then in one god in in the Christian era. Mm-hmm. And then we, we came back to a balancing point again briefly and then turned more to a materialistic society where Darwin taught us that um, uh, all that matters is matter, survival of the fittest. Uh, there was Nitschke who said God is dead, we, so we were strongly materialistic. And Bruce and Steve are saying in spontaneous evolution that now in 2012, which is not the end of the earth, but it is a choice point mm-hmm. that people are coming back to a point, society is coming back to the point where we can balance spirit and materialism. We can matter spirit and matter. And hopefully this will lead us then into a higher evolution uh, of human existence and human uh, development. So uh, Steve and Bruce pretty much had the book written. They uh, needed an editor. And they contacted me, and I was available to work with them. I knew Steve previously from uh, through a peace campaign. I was involved in a, an effort to establish a cabinet-level Department of Peace in the U.S. federal government. And Steve, as Swami Beyondananda, did a fundraiser for us in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I was living at that time. And I got to know uh, Bruce through Steve, and the two of them contacted me. And it was it was a great opportunity for me to help two internationally known well-known people uh, create a book that I think has great value to our society. I think Mm -hmm. the message is absolutely terrific. And then I've also gone on to work with other well-known authors like Alberto Violdo and uh, David Perlmutter on a book that was also published in New York by Hay House uh, called um, Power Up Your Brain. That is Alberto's book and and, uh, David's book. And I've begun to help other authors who are working on their first book, their first novel, people who have got an idea for a story, people who have got a rough manuscript and want to put something out on paper so that other people can read it. And Rosalie Jiffin Yellow is Mm -hmm. one of those people uh, who came to me with a fairly well-established manuscript. And Rosalie Rosalie teaches slum-dwelling children in Kolkata, India. And by the way, Kolkata is the proper name for the city that the British told us to call Calcutta. She's she's been working in Kolkata, India for about 11 years now and volunteered with Mother Teresa's facilities there in Kolkata for a couple of years and then established her own non-profit organization called Empower the Children. And she wanted to write a book called Reclaiming Lives about uh, her work with children as well as 
it's a story of her own life and her own development of going from fear, and this goes back to your intention, going from fear of traveling alone or being alone to inspiring herself mm -hmm. to make a positive change in her life so that she could be of service to other people. That fits mm -hmm. right in with the intention you're talking about, Rhea, the intention for your show. Well, so Rosalie had this manuscript that was full of very good dialogue and human interaction, but mm -hmm. Rosalie, being a people person, was not. she doesn't pay that much attention to the sense of place. She didn't have any description of what Kolkata is like, what the slum buildings are like, what the physical descriptions of the children and the teachers are like. So we decided that for her manuscript, the best thing for me to do was to go to Kolkata. I was there for four months from um, September 2011 through January of 2012, and then I added to her manuscript this sense of place, some physical wow. description. I wrote the stage and the setting on which she had already placed her characters. There are two people, but I'm using characters there as a metaphor. And, uh, and then for other people, other of my clients, I've been able to work with them strictly over the Internet. Well, okay. I didn't have to meet with them face-to-face. -face. In fact, like for Spontaneous Evolution, Bruce Lipton was in New Zealand. Steve Behrman was in California. I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Hay House, the publisher and editor, was in New York. We never met during the course of the project. The, the wow. Internet is a fantastic connection tool. It's a great tool. Yes, absolutely. It's a great tool. So that's an so eye-opening, right. two examples. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's two examples, and, and, and I've got other authors I'm working with right now, but, but the extremes of like working with the, the well-known people, Bruce and Steve, and not having any direct face-to-face -face interaction with them during the course of the project is one extreme, and then working with, the, let's say, an unknown person, Rosalie, and working with her face-to-face -face in her place of employment or her place of service is another extreme, and I've got other clients and examples in between. Okay, great. We'll keep that thought. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, okay. we'll continue. Robert, I want to give you a little break, take a, a sip of water. <laughs> and we will be... We got a drink of water, right? <laughs> I love storytelling, by the way. I think like we should go back to storytelling, but we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Thank you. Your Life Now radio show with Coach Rhea will return in just a few moments. Are you ready to put an end to thinking about how you wish it were and take action? Take this step to find out more by going to coachingbyrhea.com and you can receive your free consultation session with Coach Rhea. Welcome back. You are listening to your Life Now radio show. I am your host, Coach Ria. Welcome and thank you for joining us. We are on the air today speaking with my guest, Robert Ware. And am I saying your last name right? Yes, you are. Oh, good, good. Because you know, I'm, I'm terrible at pronunciation. So I constantly focusing on it. I actually have an ad and have a, a, a site that I always check the name before you know, <laughs> to make sure that I'm not torturing anybody's name. And you know how I work. I play with words. So my friends, for for those of you who just tuned in, we are talking to our uh, guest here. He is an author, speaker, editor communication consultant, and also a coach to uh, very well-known authors like Bruce Lipton as well as some emergent authors. And uh, uh, Robert, he has been writing um, on and off all his life, and uh, he has started his creative writing after his uh, brain tumor removal, and uh, which inspired him to write his book, uh, Brain Tumor, Life 
love and lessons. And before the uh, the break, we were talking about your journeys to India and uh, helping Jennifer. I'm sorry, Rosalie. Where did I get Jennifer from? Helping Rosalie uh, with her book uh, and uh, how you had uh, placed the characters in 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 a sense of like the place and and uh, the uh, you know help me out here. Um, where you basically helped her put the book, you know, a little bit more in in uh, what is missing, which is uh, fill in the blank. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Rosalie had written a great number of words, uh, a regular novel-length book with great dialogue and and description of the uh, people, of her interactions with people, but we needed a sense of place, of what Kolkata, India is really like. And so that's what I contributed to the manuscript, as well as being, uh, well, an observer of the rest of her book. I mean, dealing with, uh, helping with grammar, punctuation, and sentence structure, and, and the things that that a, a line editor will do, but I also look at when I help my clients, I look at the content. But just what's the flow here? Do we have any redundancies that we don't need? Is the information missing? Because Rhea, when people tell their own stories, they know the whole story, and mm-hmm. it is such a common situation with writers that they leave out little details that the reader needs to know. It's like, well, I was back in my corporate days, I was doing a job in New York City with American Express Bank, and I was writing a policy manual, excuse me, a procedure manual for them, and talking with the content expert, the person who was showing me what the the technicians or the clerks do, and she said, well, on this screen you do this, and on this screen you put in this kind of data, and on this screen you put in this kind of data, and I said to her, how did you get from screen to screen? Because I saw that sometimes she pressed enter, sometimes she pressed a function key. And she says, oh, yeah, we have to tell the, the trainees how to get from screen to screen, don't we? Right. And I said, yes, we do. And it's the same as thing as in writing a story, whether it's a short story or a nonfiction piece. The writer knows all of the steps from A to B to C to D, E, etc. But sometimes a writer will put in a, the step A, the information in, in part A, and then part B, and then maybe they'll skip to part G. And I'll say, wait a minute, there's something missing here. So as a fresh pair of eyes and a fresh cognitive uh, reader, I will then pose some questions back to the the writer. Do we need this information because you already said something like it over there, or I think you have missing information here because I don't understand how you got from this point B to that point G. Right. You know, I mean, for me, I I, I mean, obviously, maybe it's just the, the language part, but uh, I I know I'm I can write. Um, better if I just write on a piece of paper versus and then transfer it to uh, my computer because I lose thoughts because, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, for those of us who are beginning authors, and I want to encourage people who are listening, you know, you don't have to be a professional writer. You know, I mean, anybody who has a story and you want to, you know, hope, you know think about writing a book, they can, right, Robert? Um, but I'm, I'm sure in my personal experience, because some, some people out there might be, you know, feeling the same way, being overwhelmed, just like sitting and typing. And people are good at it. Some people are good. But for me, like, you know, if I had like punctuation problem or grammar problem, I, I, I got stuck. I got stuck. Now I lost my thoughts, you know, so it doesn't flow freely. And, uh, you know, so for me, I rather write, write, write on, in my journal, in my, you know, on pieces of paper and then, you know, Later on, just retype it because obviously when I retype it, I catch on a lot of the things that I had missing, you know, in my actual writing or sometimes it doesn't make sense what I wrote. <laughs> it happened to me a lot where I'm like, what? what? What did I mean here? Because I was not like all I was doing is just writing what I was feeling, what I was thinking, what I was, you know, what was going on at that moment. And, uh, you know, obviously when I do it on the computer. So how do you how do you transition to to be a little bit more comfortable um, you know, I mean, I guess that's where I'm trying to get to, to see what you can um, um, suggest. You know, like, how, how does someone like me get comfortable just writing on, on, the, on their PC, laptop, or whatever, uh, without, like, getting that, you know, that chokes up, kind of? 
<laughs> Rhea, your question and your example is absolutely wonderful because the the concept of writing out longhand first um, it is a great idea and then putting it into a computer later on. Um, now, people who might be, let's say, uh, more time sensitive, let's say they want to work strictly with the computer first so they don't have to re-keystroke the message into the computer later. But your example is a great uh, it's an ideal uh, experience or situation for me to explain what I want to say next. And that is, whether we're working on paper or working right into the computer, we have two minds. We have our left brain and we have mm -hmm. our right brain. Mm -hmm. And our right brain is the creative side. Mm -hmm. And the right brain loves it when you pick up a pen or a pencil and, you flow, and you're flowing handwriting. It's just flowing across the paper. Right. The left mind is more logical. The left mind is where we're more concerned about grammar and punctuation and proper spelling. Mm -hmm. So the advice I have here, and here's the tip, listeners, here's the tip for me, is that the first thing that you do is you turn off the logical mind and you totally turn on the creative mind. Now, Rhea, in your example, you did that by writing your story first longhand. Mm -hmm. You were working in your creative mind, and mm -hmm. then later when you turned on your computer, you were going to your logical mind. Right. But no matter, even if somebody is putting the story, crafting the initial draft of the story into the computer, turn on the creative mind, turn off the logical mind, because later on we can come back and we can fix the spelling, we can adjust the grammar, we can work the sentences around into a better structure. That's all part of the editing process, the logical process. But it's the writing process, the creative process, that has to come first and so for, before we can have an opportunity to do any editing. Turn on the creative mind, turn off the logical mind, we'll do the editing later. That's a great tip, so, and I, I appreciate, yeah, you, you uh, put it out in that simple, uh, you know, uh, way because I mean that's so true because I mean like I said you know you understand because you are a creative writer obviously so we know that you are more in tune with the creativity part versus the logic part I mean you know I mean so you, you know there's a lot of people out there that have not they have a lot of published books but they really have not written them themselves they had ghost writers you know and I, to me that doesn't really speak to that person right because, I mean, well, because isn't like a ghostwriter is someone who basically asks you the questions and they put the book together for you? <laughs> uh, uh, y yes. Uh, a ghostwriter is like a, a speechwriter. And, uh, and, yes, there are some books out there that have not really been written by the person whose name is on the cover of the book. Uh, but just likewise, there are many, uh, let's say, uh, high-level professional politicians who yeah. don't write their own speeches. They don't have the time. What, what they do is they sit down with a ghostwriter or a speechwriter and say, this is what I want to say. This is what I want the book to encompass. But, I mean, like Michener, with, with his books, I mean, he was a great writer, but he also had a large staff of people who did his research for him. And, you know, and that's perfectly okay. It's perfectly okay. We, and I want to emphasize, too, that we need both the creative side and the logical side. Like because uh, especially with books being self-published, it's so easy to self-publish a book these days with digital printing. It's economical. It's a, really a very viable way and to... And it's, it's the way to go, I mean, right? I mean, it's, it's the future. It is. Right. And, and, and it's amazing. And there used to be a stigma to self-publishing. But if you look, there's a website. It's called the, the Self-Publishing Hall of Fame. And it's amazing the number of well-known authors who have at least one self-published book. Stephen King is one mm -hmm. of them. And, and so is Edgar Allan Poe, Mark Twain. Uh, I mean, both historically and in current times, Self-publishing has been a viable way to get your book out of out of, into the public. Well, and, and I did that with Brain Tumor. It was it's a self-published book. I sent it out to publishers, and I got what I call positive rejection letters. I mean, handwritten letters back, or or 
it wasn't the standard, you don't want your manuscript kind of letters I got back from many publishers, but they were still rejections. They didn't want to buy the manuscript. And so I was invited to do to speak at a um, at a brain tumor conference in Colorado in 2009, and I had left my book sitting dormant. It was finished, it was done, but it was dormant inside the black box that is my computer. Mm-hmm. And I said I'm going to take that book with me to that brain injury conference. So I pulled it out of the computer. I went to a printer. I I had it self-published, and by that time, digital printing was economical. I had 100 copies printed. I now have sold over 150 copies, not many, but still more than the the vast national uh, national average. But what's really important is that it is out of the box. The story is out of the box. It is in the hands of people. They have read it, and I know that it has changed some lives. It has moved some people. It has inspired some people. Not a great quantity, but definitely more than the number zero. Right. And you know what? And I love what you just said because I think, you know, it's it's a message to everybody who uh, who's out there. I think if you have a story to share, to inspire, you owe it to everybody else to put it out there. I really think we do um, um, so we can help someone else. You know, in in a, in a similar situation, or if they're going through some, uh, I'm actually I, I, you know, keeping my finger crossed. I know I think I know I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna have my book uh, published by the end of this year, um, latest. You know, which is gonna be talking about intention and my particular intent. So that's what my book is gonna be. I just haven't decided on the title. Um, I was actually co, you know, with someone last year um, who published a book. Uh, um, uh, 101 um, affirmation, but the thing is, you know, it's like I've been working on those two books. Actually, one, one, of, there's another book that I'm, I'm working on, and, and um, the fear. I think that's what I would like to touch on now, and from your expertise, the fear of being rejected. I think how, uh, as an author, um, and that people not. I mean, you know, your word might sound like a valuable word to you, but is it going to be worth anything to anybody else? And your answer to that is what? How do we get over that? Get a good editor, okay. and, and look, pay the cost for for a professional editor. And a good editor is not your spouse not your grandmother, not your children, or your best friend, or anybody else who's going to tell you what they think you want you to hear, right. or you no, want absolutely. to hear. Absolutely. A good editor is a professional who knows content organization, who knows sentence structure, grammar, punctuation, selling, copy flow, and that sort of thing. Because here's the danger, and I mentioned, I touched on this a moment ago, that we need both the creative side and the logical side. With digital printing and self-publishing being an economical viability, there is an awful lot of crap that's being published because it didn't go through a good editor. Okay. And it's, we, we need both that creative side and that logical side. And the logical and, um, side is what you're talking about, you know, getting a professional, outside professional, you know, um, you know, somebody to look at it and make sure what you put in together is actually, you know, uh, sellable and, 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 and should be out there, basically. It's, it's a good material that, versus just a crap, right? That, that's exactly right. The logical side is the editing side. Okay. So there, there does come a point when, you, like I mentioned before, you turn off the logical mind and you turn on the creative mind totally. But there then comes a point later on when you turn on the logical mind, let's say 80%, and keep the, the, log, the creative side the creative mind tuned in a little bit, but that's where your 80% of your effort is going into making the flow, making it, making it readable, making it understandable. You know, at some point, any good author is going to read through the manuscript, preferably on paper, and say, does a person who knows nothing about my story understand it? Will they get it? And if not, it means that the, that the creative mind hasn't put in some details that needs to be there. So we need both the logical mind and the creative mind. Creative mind first, the logical mind later to do the editing. And, that's and maybe, you hire, maybe you hire the logical mind in the form of a professional editor. Right, and I appreciate that. You know, And that's where Robert comes in, and Robert says he does work online, right? So you can help your client. You don't have to be 
physically in 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 the place where they are, right? So you work with them. That's, uh, okay, that's and right. and you know, I'm just gonna put your website out again. How to contact Robert? Uh, www. Robert M. Where, which is W E I R. dot com, and uh, um, you know, and you know, like I said uh, in the beginning of the show, Robert will travel. Uh, if necessary, and he has his own laptop, and uh, he uh, he preferred to have things to be simple and, and live simply and create, and he's all about creating, so he will help you create. Um, you know, Robert, what but, I wanted to touch yeah. on. Uh-huh. Let, let, let me interject for a moment there, Rhea. You just repeat the, the website again, www.robert. M as in Martin, which is my middle name, Robert M W E I R dot com. And to to share an example of what you just described, in when I was working in the mid nineteen nineties and prior to that, all of my clients were corporations. This was before I began to do editing for books. And mm-hmm. I probably written thirty thirty books that had no commercial value. Mm-hmm. Uh, policy manuals, procedure manuals, training materials, all for contracted corporations of large companies that mm-hmm. most real listeners have probably heard of, like Kellogg's Cereal Company. Mm-hmm. And um, and all of my clients were within a two-hour drive of where I lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Now I have clients in Florida, California, Colorado, Michigan, uh, Russia, uh, India. Yeah, I have clients around the world thanks to the Internet. It is our connecting tool that's really bringing messages together. That is beautiful. That is really nice. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I said, I mean, this is a great tool, and I just uh, hope we all, you know, utilize it and, and, and use it in the right way. It's not just for us to, you know. Right. I'm in Denver, Colorado right now in the home of a client, and she and I will be working on her book for the next several days, which is near completion, and it is our objective that within the next five to ten days we will have the manuscript finished. And, and we found it was necessary for us to get together and do the work here. Then I'm just going to drive in other parts of the country. This goes back to the road trip you were talking about. I'm going to go to the West Coast and visit some clients and also some potential clients uh, in that way and some friends. So, yeah, I love combining pleasure with business. It's it's a great way to live. That is that is fantastic. And and is there any, like, a, I mean, I, I know your background and who you worked with. But you also work with immersion authors. But do you have any ideal clients? Do you work with pretty much anybody who who will uh, reach out to you? Or I mean, how? I mean, I know you're busy, so obviously we know you know your schedule. So how do how do people like know if you if they should be contacting you? Um, and how you know? They should contact That's you? an excellent 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 question. Um, and. I'm generally, the types of books that I write deal with uh, spirituality, I mean, books that I edit and write, um, spirituality, metaphysics, uh, human evolution, the, the positive, what I consider to be the positive mm-hmm. aspects of life. I've, got, I've gotten away from the technical writing of, of corporate uh, mm-hmm. work uh, that, that I, was my income back in the 1980s and early 1990s. Um, and for my own work, I write about people, peace, social justice, the environment, and travel. So people in that genre or those types of interests are, are oh, okay. the people That's who great I, I can best serve. That's why you, you can connect with more. So I, you know, for those of you who are listening, um, you know, please uh, take a note of that and, and contact Robert because you, you never know what kind of experience you would have, you know, just reaching out to him and speaking with him because uh, – um, we connect. I know I connected with you, and and I, you know, it's it's amazing. I always say it's really it never, it never stops amazing me how I always attract people like me, in a sense of like how they, you know, we all like you know, I mean, you, you your thoughts, your work, you know, it's all fit in within what I, you know, what I come from, you know, and and that's why you sort of like you know. <laughs> we sort of attract right. each other. I know you contact me, and 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 here we are, and we are on the air speaking, and I'm I'm, I'm so delighted. So I definitely appreciate your uh, your input. But we we only have a few minutes left, Robert. Can you share like a short story with us, that kind of like exciting that we uh, from your uh, road trips or anything that you you feel can inspire or or just put a a light or a smile on somebody's face? Would be nice. 
I, yes, I can. And, and this is totally fresh. It comes from yesterday. Right. And the message or the, the, um, uh, yeah, the message I want to convey here is be open to opportunities. Really be open to whatever God or divine providence has to offer. Mm-hmm. Here's my story. Mm-hmm. Two days ago, I left uh, a friend's home in southwestern Missouri and decided to drive across part of Oklahoma because I'd never been to Oklahoma yet. And I went uh, close to the border between Kansas and Oklahoma, but within Oklahoma, and kept going west, kept going west, kept going west. thought I would turn up into Dodge City, Kansas, but I didn't. I drove past that, that road that I could have taken to Dodge. And I came to the point where I said, I want to drive all the way across the top of Oklahoma and exit the western edge of Oklahoma in the western pan, into New Mexico, off the edge of the panhandle into New Mexico. This was not what I had planned to do. But I'm driving along and be, beside me on both sides of these vast expanses of wheat fields with their golden colors. And some of it, depending on the variety, just this rich, brilliant gold, like an orange sunset. And others a little more pale gold, kind of the color that I associate with uh, pure angelic grace. And I stop at this one point and take a photograph of three combines, three self-propelled combines and a tractor with a grain wagon out in this field. They're all kind of close together. It's beautiful. It's just so expansive. The sky is beautiful. The grain is beautiful gold. And here's the machinery moving down across the field. And one of the combines turns toward me. And you know, when they make a turn in the field, they don't always capture all of the, the harvest. They, they don't quite, they, they cut the corner a little too short. Well, this man is coming back, and he's, he's harvesting that, the little swatches where they missed him. And he keeps coming, and he keeps coming toward me. And I've got these great photographs of this combine coming right straight at me. And then all of a sudden, I see he's gesturing to me. He's inviting me to join him in the cab. And so, of course... I parked mm-hmm. my car a little more safely. I've got my camera in my hand, sandals on my feet. I run across the stubble of the corn of the uh, of the wheat field, climb up the cab with him, and he takes me around. And we talk about his life as a farmer and an insurance agent and as a former crop dusting pilot. He's my age. He's in his 60s. He's out there driving this 32-foot gleaner combine across the field, helping a friend, a neighbor, a farmer friend, a neighbor um, harvest the the crops. I'm capturing his story and I'm experiencing this myself. You know, if I hadn't made the decision to drive off the western edge of the Oklahoma panhandle, I wouldn't be there. If I hadn't stopped to take a photograph, I wouldn't be there. If he hadn't seen me and come and offered an invitation, I wouldn't be there. All of that is the divine opportunities that we all have available to us if we're just open and going with the flow and know that everything is perfect, our life is in divine order, and um, the universe is leading us to great opportunities. Just be open and ready to receive. Absolutely, and that's the key that, you know, I I touch on it in almost every uh, time. You know, it's bringing out your awareness to what's going on to this present moment, and and, uh, so that way you would not miss any opportunity, you wouldn't miss anything, you know, all the goods that are out there, we, we, we have to stop focusing on the negative and we got to see the goods and everything and try to open our eyes to, to receive and, and, and uh, to be present. And I, like I said, I always, you know, it, it gives me goosebumps because, I, I mean, I, I share a lot of my personal experience on the show because I'm, I'm you know, I'm still on that path of, of being more, you know, uh, spiritually awakening in the sense of like, you know, learning how to be more conscious and present in in a, in a divine moment. And, and the thing is, the things that I witness, it blows my mind. I really honestly, uh, um, it, it just absolutely blows my mind. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, I mean, some of the, the, the things in, uh, um, just to share like a short story I was walking uh, my dog. I walk my dog, you know, same route all the time, every time. And and uh, one time I was walking and I felt like something. I'm I'm more present, you know. I, I see things a lot clearer, you know. Like the nature is more like a, a brighter to me than I was like you know six seven years ago, right? But as I was walking, I felt somebody is like looking at me. I felt something like was trying to attract my attention. <laughs> 
And I was just like, it was freaking me out. I was like, what the heck is it? And I turned it around, and it was a tree. It was just a nature tree, you know. But the tree had almost a face, a face on that tree. And it was just a knot in the tree that created that image that I needed to see, whatever it was. And as it might sound like, you know, a crazy story to be telling. But the thing is, I took a picture. I stopped. I took a picture of that, of that, uh, um, that tree because I wanted to see it. And I wanted to share it with other people to see if they see what I saw. But the, 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 the thing is, this is just an example of something that I needed to follow up with someone at that time that reminded me of that picture, and I did call that person. And, uh, um, or like, you know, I, I went to a great uh, convention in Chicago uh, the past week, and this past weekend, not this weekend, the weekend before. And I, I, it was not even in my plan to go. And I am telling you... It was a reason for me to go there, and I had created such a great relationship, and opportunities came knocking on my door from being there, from being so consciously aware of being there, you know, and, and, and I totally understand what you're talking about, and I really do appreciate um, all the tips that you had shared with us, uh, Robert, on the show, and um Anything that we can, we are going into in, into archiving right now. And uh, I have somebody in the chat room saying, you know, the story that you were talking about sounds like his life, and and that's wonderful. I appreciate that, my friends in the chat room. Great. So yeah, Great. so Great. you know, so see, people are connecting with you in a sense of like, you know, I mean, we all have a story that could be shared, right? And uh, we, we all have stories. Yes. Yes. And in, people can contact me through my website. There's a contact tab there on my website. And also, if people want to read stories about my trip to India and other places that I've traveled over the last couple of years, I've sailed on tall ships across the Atlantic Ocean on the Aegean Sea and the Black Sea. That's a whole other topic. But those stories are all on my website, www.robert. M as in Martin, W-E-I-R dot com. To find the stories, go to the what tab, W-H-A-T. My main tabs are who, what, where, when, why, how, and contact. Go to the what tab, and you'll find stories and books and other samples of my writing there. Sounds really good. Thank you again so much, Robert, for being here. I would love to have you back again and uh, and then chat more about, you know, some of the stories that you had encountered throughout uh, your, uh, uh, your road trips or, or your whatever place that you go to. I'd love to hear more about it and share it with our audience. And uh, I, I much gratitude to you, my friend. Thank you. Please do have me back, Leah. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you today. Uh, same here, as always. Please stay tuned. I'm going to keep you in the in the green room so I can chat with you after the show, but for a minute, if you don't mind. Um, but I'm going to uh, go ahead and close the show. I want to thank everybody who is uh, um, listening to who listen to the show, and also, you know, just wanted to mention the show is archived now, so you can use the same link to re-listen to the whole um, <clears throat> episode and and uh, listen to some of the tips that Robert has shared with us. I think he shared a lot of great tips. I know he shared a lot of great tips with us about uh, um, writing a book, and if you think about writing a book or if you have a story that you like to tell, make sure you put it out. You could all, you know, we, we, could, we could do somebody uh, a lot of a good uh, deed by doing so, by putting your story out there and share it with the world. So don't be afraid, you know, to get it done and, and to get it published because you can get the help. And Robert is a great guy to uh, um, to reach out and, and uh, um, ask him for help and have him edit your book. He edits some of the greatest authors in the books like Ruth Lipsins and some of the immersion authors, and, and he works with a lot of great uh, people. So you could be one of them. And you could have your book on on its way to be uh, best uh, selling book, right, Robert? <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Okay. And of course, my friends, you know, make sure you reach out to me. I want you to contact me. Contact me. Send me an email. Info at coachingbyria.com. I'm also on Skype. Coach Ria. That is one word. And uh, remember, you are amazing. And today is a good day to prove it. So with all that being said, until next time, be well. Thank you. Are you ready to put an end to thinking about how you wish it were and take action? Take this step to find out more by going to coachingbyria.com. And you can receive your free consultation session with Coach Rhea.